morning, and thank you for that welcome. Uh, welcome wherever you're joining us, in all of our centres and online as well. Welcome to this new series, Share the Good News, a four-part series in John's Gospel, uh, considering how good news travels fast, doesn't it? You find in John's Gospel, John the Baptist realises the good news of Jesus, and he sends other people to Jesus. And then you find that Andrew finds his brother Simon Peter and says, you've got to come and meet Jesus. And then you find they, t they bring Philip. And then Philip says, as we've just seen in our reading, that Nathaniel is brought to meet Jesus. And when Nathaniel encounters Jesus, he comes out with these extraordinary statements about who Jesus is. So our series is about how friends bring friends to encounter Jesus. I have to say to you um, this morning, as I preach, I'm feeling the weightiness of God's presence. I don't know about you, I'm preaching this morning with a, a fresh sense of the fear of the Lord. And uh, I feel almost as I speak, as if, um, I imagine it as I was just worshipping this morning, I was imagining it almost as if a press secretary was coming to address people on behalf of the president. And as they get up to speak, they realise that the president has also entered the room. And now you're speaking the words, but with that weightiness of God's presence pressing in. And I pray that you will feel that in all of our centers and online, that the one of whom I speak is pressing in on us this morning, that we might encounter him in a fresh way. Nathaniel had to encounter Jesus for himself. And I feel God is wanting us, I feel only permission this morning to speak well of Jesus Christ. Uh, there's other things I was going to say that would have focused a bit more on me, but they are not what you need to hear. But you must hear about Jesus this morning. And we must then hear about him in such a way that we cannot but speak of him to those that we meet in the big wide world, for everyone needs Jesus. The Father, Father, would you send your spirit now to illuminate Jesus Christ. Come powerfully upon us, Lord, in all of our centers, that we may not just have some form of religion, but know the power of it. In Jesus' name, amen. There are five things that Nathaniel declares about Jesus in this passage, and I want to draw your attention to these things, for this is who Jesus is, and this is why everyone must come and see Jesus. So that's the heading of my first point, is why should everyone come and see Jesus? Well, firstly, he's identified in this passage simply by his name that he is the Savior who can forgive us. Notice uh, that he is declared to be Jesus in the passage here, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And that word, that name, Jesus, Yeshua in Hebrew, it means the Lord saves. So even as you speak the name of Jesus, you are declaring not just a name, but a message. It is Jesus who saves. And we live in a world that more than ever needs to know that there is a savior who forgives us. And that as we've just declared in our worship, in order to do that, he died for us. He took the scourge and the beatings. He took the nails and the cross in order to offer salvation to a world that is otherwise perishing. God so loved this world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And so we have a savior to announce to the world. The one who took the beatings and the scourging is Jesus, Yeshua, the Lord saves. 
As the flood waters rise, he is the ark of salvation. As the army surrounds, he is the strong tower, and if you will run into him, he will save you. As the famine spreads, he is the storehouse. He is the bread of life. Jesus Christ is our savior. And uh, we need to recover an encounter with this Jesus who saves us. I don't know how you do that, but I was with Pastor Dave last night and we had dinner and as, as, we, as they brought the starter, there was some bread and we just took bread and broke it and just thanked Jesus again in the most ordinary place that he is our savior. And it doesn't matter what Dave or myself have gone on to do for the Lord since he saved us, in the end we're still sinners who have been saved by amazing grace. And that's all that we are, and that's all that we have to offer. It's not ourselves, but Jesus Christ, who is the Savior and the Lord, and who a a perishing world needs to encounter. May we encounter freshly this morning the cross of Jesus Christ, the wounds and the scourging, Jesus, Yeshua, the Lord saves. And whatever circumstances you find yourself in, whatever is going on in your world, there is nothing he cannot save you from. His salvation is sufficient for you, Jesus, the Savior who forgives our sins. And then he also is declared to be here the rabbi, the rabbi who teaches us. In verse 51, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. We live in a world that has lost sight of what is true. We live in a world that's asking the question, is anyone in charge? Does anyone actually know what it really means to flourish as a human being today? And into this world, Jesus says, verily, verily, truly, truly. Literally, the Aramaic word is amen and amen. He he repeats that because he is bringing this ultimate claim to speak words of eternal life. We may finish our prayers with one amen, which is really, that word literally means uh, this is true or or we agree. We may finish our prayer with one amen. He begins his sentence with two amens because he's the only one who can speak truth into a lost and confused world. I don't know about you, but when people wander away from Jesus, they find that we find our world is ever more lost and broken. But when people discover the truth, the rabbi, that word means teacher. When you let Jesus teach you, he will lead you into freedom. I was speaking to someone recently who became a Christian after leaving the valley. She grew up in a really poor, tough valley in Wales, and she, uh, she lived a life of just brokenness, confusion, wasted herself in all sorts of horrible things, and then she went to America, uh, and there f- people told her about Jesus, and she became a Christian. And she said to me, she said with tears in her eyes, she said, I just, why did no one tell me about Jesus? You know, how come it took so long before anyone told me of the rabbi, the savior, the one who delivers us from our sins? There is a world out there that needs to know about Jesus. And there are people who will otherwise be saying, why did nobody tell me that there is a teacher who makes sense? There is a rabbi who speaks verily, verily, truly, truly, amen and amen, I tell you the truth. Jesus is not only savior who forgives us, he is the teacher who leads us into all truth. And then he's also declared by Nathaniel to be the king of Israel, the rule of Jesus. 
When we speak of the kingdom of God, it is initiated by the king who is Jesus Christ. And Nathanael declares over Jesus, having been part of a nation, Israel, that was longing for the Messiah to come, that was praying for deliverance, that lived under occupied territory. These Jews were occupied by the Romans, and for them it was the oppression of an invasive force that had brought into their world all sorts of destructive influences and had, had held them captive and they were praying for deliverance for the Messiah to come and then as Nathanael is introduced to Jesus and he realizes whose presence he is in, he says, you are the king of Israel. In other words, everything that has invaded this world, everything evil that has come in, you are the one who will break its power. You are the promised one who even back in Genesis was declared to come, that even as this world fell away from God, the promise was made, one will come who will crush the head of the serpent. And Nathanael looks at Jesus and says, you are the snake crusher. You are the one who has come. And of course, he had in mind perhaps the Romans at this point. But you know, you could defeat the Romans and it would just be another problem that would invade. The things that we think need to change are not actually so often what is needed for change. But what is needed is the king, the Lord. Have you not seen The Lion King, <laughs> that film? You know, it's, it's, it's the storyline of scripture in so many ways because when the, the wrong person is trying to rule, evil Uncle Scar, when he's on the throne, the land withers and perishes into a dust bowl but when the rightful king returns, in the Lion King film, it's Simba. When Simba returns, after a nasty battle with the hyenas, then there is a restoration of the true king and the land flourishes once more. Read the Gospels. This is our Jesus. In a world that perishes under the alien forces of sin and death and evil and suffering, into this world the king has come the rightful king, and when we declare him to be our king, we come under the rule of his blessing and we flourish once more. Our world needs to know the true king. It, is, it does not matter who is ultimately in office in the positions of power in our world. What matters is that Jesus Christ is in office in heaven. He is the king. And then, fourthly, he is the son of God who gets us. He is the savior who forgives us. He's the rabbi who teaches us. He's the king who frees us. And then Nathaniel also declares that he is the son of God who, who gets us. Did you notice this little encounter he had? And he says, how do you know me, Nathaniel asked. You see, as Nathaniel comes to Jesus, Jesus speaks over his life and says, oh, here's someone in whom there is no guile, no dishonesty. And the says, how do you know me? And Jesus says, I saw you while you were still sitting under the fig tree. And we don't know what that personal moment was for Nathaniel, but clearly something, he was doing some business with God under that fig tree, I think. The fig tree was a symbol of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. It was also a place of shade where Israelites would go to read the Torah and to pray. And so we don't know the detail of what Nathaniel was doing under that tree, but no doubt his heart was reaching out to God with some kind of scenario or private moment. And he lifted his heart to God. And then Philip says, come with me. And he goes and speaks to someone. And that person says, I saw you when you were speaking to God. They say, who is this? Well, no wonder Nathaniel says, well, 
you are the son of God. Who else could this be who seems to have heard the prayers I prayed when I asked God, are you listening? Who seems to have seen me when I wondered if anyone knew me and Nathaniel says, you are the son of God. How do you know me? Jesus gets us. <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful thought? And in those most personal and private of moments, those places where we were shedding some tears and we thought no one was looking, or where we felt the deep frustration and we wondered if anyone sees us or knows us, we have this Nathaniel-like moment this morning where we realize we're in the presence of the one who saw us, who knows us, and who gets us. I felt for someone here this morning who, who probably, I think you're a driver, maybe you drive trucks or, or vans or something and you spend a lot of time on your own in that cab or in that driving seat and you feel the frustration of your life and Jesus says, I get you, I see you. For someone else who's been studying a lot and you're wrestling with the world of ideas and you've got all sorts of doubts and questions and even as you write your essays, he gets you and he sees you. For someone else who's you drop the kids off at school and as you walk or drive home, you often end up in, a, in tears as you enter the house and put the key in the door and you walk into what feels like an empty home. He sees you and he gets you. In these most private of spaces, the Son of God is the one who gets us. And Nathaniel encounters him in such a life-transforming way. And finally, fifthly, he is the gate of heaven who welcomes us. Did you notice how Jesus goes on to say, if you think that's amazing, he says, you will see the Son of Man with angels ascending and descending upon him. He's alluding to a story in the Old Testament where Jacob fell asleep one night, and in the night he had a dream of heaven rupturing and the glory of God appearing and this moment, his dream was like a portal where this space in which we dwell, the earth, was opened up and invaded by the world of God, the realm in which God is and his glory dwells and as that rupturous dream happened, he saw a, a sort of ladder-like uh, stairway and, and angels coming up and down. And, and what was just a dream for Jacob, Jesus says it will be a reality for you, Nathaniel. Because I am the gateway, Jesus says. I am the point of rupture where heaven opens itself to earth. I am the glory of God. I am the one who will show you the Father. In Jesus, our small closed world with its small horizons has ruptured open to the big wide world of God. And in Jesus, we also are invited to experience the portal, the rupture, the glory opening into our lives. You know, I felt for some of us, it's almost like life is, is so small. Our horizons are so small. We're so shriveled in this world of consumerism where we have nothing more than the next TV program to consume or sports match to watch. And there's, there's nothing wrong with those things, but it's like living in a tent it's like living under canvas, the, the horizons are so small. But don't you feel those moments where something just brushes past on the outside? And you, and you realize there's something beyond my world. There is a, a sense of a presence, a hope, a love that brushes past us. And Jesus is the one who opens the tent door and says, come out into the big wide world. Come and experience the glory of God. Come and inhabit the space where God is king. He is the gateway of heaven who welcomes us. And not, by the way, not with a message of, here's the ladder, if you can climb it, I'll meet you at the top. <laughs> not with a message of even, we'll meet halfway. No, no, not at all. 
did you notice that the angels are descending on the Son of Man? Why? Because he has come down the ladder. (laughs) The one who sat in a realm of glory above the angels has descended beneath the angels in order to stand amongst us and be one of us and to bring us eternal life. This is our God. He is the rabbi who teaches us. He is the king who frees us. He is the savior who forgives us. He is the son of God who gets us and he is the gateway of heaven who welcomes us. Now, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. I have permission to speak of nothing else this morning but the fact that this is the one who we encounter. And this is the one to whom our lives are to open up in such a way that we overflow with Jesus to the big wide world. I don't know about you, I don't want, I don't want to hide this light under any, any vase or bushel, do you? I do not want to find others around me, closer to me than I realized, who will one day say, why did nobody tell me? <laughs> of course, everyone needs to encounter this Jesus. So how, how is that gonna be possible? How can we be those who bring people to Jesus? I don't know if you noticed that Nathaniel actually initially, as Philip says, come and meet Jesus, or we have found the one. I don't know if you noticed that actually initially he is skeptical. And yes, we live in a world that has its skeptical voice, its opposition to Jesus. But I want you to notice that that didn't put Philip off, did it? (laughs) Nathaniel asked a tricky question. He says, hang on a minute. He says, you say he's from Nazareth. How can anything good come from there? You know, they knew that the Messiah was meant to have been born in Bethlehem, not to have come from Nazareth. So it's, it's kind of a tricky question and actually, We know, I I get that we know, if you've read Matthew's Gospel or Luke's Gospel, we know that through a Roman census, Jesus was actually born in Bethlehem, but Nathaniel hadn't read Matthew's Gospel at this point. Neither had Philip, right? He didn't know that text. He hadn't read all that stuff. So he didn't actually know the answer to a really tricky question, but that didn't stop him, notice. He still, his response is not a defensive, oh, well, you shouldn't, don't, 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 don't say that against my faith, or this is my, but you know, he doesn't go defensive. He just says, well, I don't know, I don't know, it's a good, good question, but come and see. It's, that's a really good question, come and ask it, come and examine it, come and see whether what I am saying stacks up with, with what you experience. Come and see Jesus. We must not be put off by the fears or the challenges of a world that is often quite hostile initially, or skeptical. Our invitation is not to say, come to us, because we have answers to all the questions, right? You, like, like Philip, you may not have read all the books that you need to read. That is not a problem for us sharing the good news, amen? Does that not sound like a relief? That is not a problem for us sharing. Philip hadn't read the books, Matthew and John's, Luke's Gospel, and neither maybe have we read all the books that we need to read. But that did not stop him saying, come and see. Now, how how can we say that to people? I get that the next question then is, well, okay, Philip could physically take Nathaniel to Jesus. Where would we take people? Well, I I just think there's a couple of obvious things here. As we fall in love with Jesus again, what first thing we can say is, well, come and hear about Jesus. Come and and see was, was the message. Come and see. In other words, Philip began the conversation, but then he actually brought Nathaniel to a place where other people could continue the talking. There is an opportunity, isn't there, even as a church, to bring people to here, to this place, where people can experience and hear about Jesus. They can hear other people doing the talking. 
And I love stories that you hear, even the, the, the story of Albert McMakin, who probably you've never heard of, but as a truck driver himself, he, he managed to persuade a young man to come in his truck and drive his truck to a, an event a, a, where people were giving a talk about Jesus. And that young man came night after night and eventually gave his life to Jesus. And that young man was called Billy Graham. <laughs> and you know, not, not, we're, we're much more like Albert McMakin than Billy Graham, probably. But hey, we still have a role to play. Come and hear about Jesus. He is the Savior. He is the Rabbi. He is the Lord. Come and hear about Jesus. And then the other thing I'd encourage us, as well as bringing people to a place where they can hear, is actually carrying something where you can just offer it to people. I often carry with me a copy of John's Gospel or one of the Gospels. And as I get into conversation with people, this is such a great thing to offer people. Would you take a moment to read the biography of the person who's transformed my life? You know, so many people encounter Jesus through the scriptures, don't they? And the word of God speaks for itself. Again, you don't need to be defensive about this. Anyone can read it. Anyone can inquire of, their, of themselves. The word of God is powerful and it speaks for itself. This particular version is published by the, uh, the Pocket Testament League. And I had a privilege of meeting someone who's also an MP in the Welsh equivalent of Parliament, the Senev. He's an MP, but he's also the CEO of, of the European, um, the, well, the, the Pocket League Testament. And he was telling me a story. He'd been to Ukraine recently, uh, and he'd visited one of the, the cities, uh, one of the towns that the Russians had captured. And then eventually they'd been forced back out. And he was visiting this with some Ukrainian people and just seeing the absolute devastation of that town. And, and before he went, this organization he works with had sent almost half a million, I think, copies of the gospel of the New Testament in, uh, for Ukrainians in their language. Because in the most devastating of circumstances, what do people need? <laughs> they need Jesus. And there is such a hunger for the New Testament in Ukraine because people know we need a hope that's bigger than ourselves. And as he was walking through this town, um, he, he just, it was so overwhelming. He so said, I just want a moment to take, take this in. And so he just, they said, said just, want, you know, just go for a little wander. So he wandered into a garden. And um, as he wandered into the garden, there was a smoldering um, pile of where, that was still burning from where the Russians had been there. Bur they burnt all of the stuff in the houses. And it, had, it was so, the fire was, had been so hot, there was molten glass uh, around it. And, and he saw something sticking out of the middle of this fire. And he went over to it and, and, he, and he picked it up because it was still sort of this, this text that was there, but it, was not, it had not burnt up. And it was a copy of John's Gospel from the Pocket League Testament, the organization for which he is the CEO of Europe. And the cover had burnt off, but the text of John's Gospel, you can see it on the screen actually, there's a picture of it, the copy of the Gospel that he found in molten glass <laughs> had been preserved. This is now an artifact in the National Library of Wales, yeah. This is a, a, an artifact now in the National Library of Wales as a testament to the fact that the Word of God is miraculous. I don't know, he does not know. He's an MP, he's not someone who makes things up. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, anyway, you know. <laughs> there might have been other ways I could have encouraged you to believe in him. Uh, <laughs> he's credible, yeah. Yeah. Leaving that aside, the Word of God is indestructible. You cannot put out the fire of God's Word. Amen? The story of Jesus in these pages 
Something ruptures as people read it. A rupture, a port, this is a portal through to a realm in which Jesus becomes very real to people. And on these pages, they discover the one who is the savior who forgives, the rabbi who teaches, the king who frees us, the son of God who gets us, and the gateway of heaven who welcomes us. And I want to encourage us to invite people to hear about Jesus, to offer them something to read about Jesus, and to expect that as we do so, Jesus Christ will use us like he used Philip in miraculous ways to share the good news of Jesus. For we have nothing to offer this world except Jesus Christ. The weightiness of God's presence today is because we speak of something that is not trivial. That is no joke. The weightiness is because we speak of a savior who who God sent into the world because he loved the world that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And I urge you today, wherever you're watching this, will you please, if you haven't already, will you read about Jesus and consider today believing in him? For there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. And as you believe in Jesus Christ, would you be part of this message of sharing the good news that everyone may know there is a savior and his name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you like to stand with me and we're going to respond together. Maybe there is somebody here today in this room right now or watching online and you need to believe in Jesus Christ. And you felt the tug as I've been speaking and as we were singing and worshiping the tug, you felt that, you know, something is brushing past your tent. And it's outside of your world, but the door is, is opening. There's a rupturing happening even now, and, and God is wanting to reveal himself to you. But you, he will not force his way in. You must reach out to him. So today, whether for the first time or whether you want to come back to Jesus and put your trust in him, I just want to invite you, if you are in that place, I'd like to pray for you. So just close your eyes. And if you're in that place, would you just lift your hands up as a sign of receiving Jesus Christ today? And I'd like to pray for you. Thank you. I can see a few hands. I can not see much, but I'm just going to pray over you. Do not turn down the only source of life, but lift your hands to Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for those with hands lifted. And I pray, Lord... If one of them is that van driver, that lorry driver, truck driver, I pray you'd come now and you would bring your love, Lord Jesus, into his heart. And I pray for others who are lifting their hands, who have sat under their fig tree and had their moments and wondered if anyone sees them and anyone gets them and you are the son of God and you come to them today and you say, I get you, I see you, I've known you. In those moments where you thought you were alone, I was there. And I've come to you this morning in answer to your prayers that you might receive eternal life. So Lord, I pray right now as they lift their hearts to you that you would come in. If you've got your hands lifted, just begin to pray now. He is, no, he is not further from you than your prayer right now. Pray, ask him to forgive your sin for he died on the cross for that and ask him to come in and make you a new person and lead you in the way of truth. Invite him, say, Lord, be, become my rabbi, my teacher. Become my savior. I declare you're the son of God. 
Thank you that you get me. Thank you that you've reached me. Thank you, Lord. And for all of us now who know Jesus Christ, who've encountered him freshly even this morning, may it not be on our watch that people within our reach say, why did nobody tell me? I say that again, may it not be on our watch that people who were within our reach say, why did nobody tell me? And if you feel that in your heart, maybe you could just lift your hands with me now. And I want to pray for the empowering of the Holy Spirit who gives us the ability to speak of Jesus, to live lives that declare him, witness to him, inviting others to hear about him, giving them something to read about him, but whatever it looks like, bearing witness to him. So Lord, as your people, we lift our hands to you. Of course we feel weak and inadequate. Of course we feel fearful. Of course we know that sometimes what comes back when we step out in faith is something skeptical and dismissive, just as it did for Philip. But we won't be put off by that, Lord, because everybody needs to hear about you. And we are determined that it will not be on our watch, that people within our reach don't get to hear about this good news. So Lord, I pray now, not as a burden, but as a responsibility, you would come by your Holy Spirit and fill us that we may have permission this week to speak and live for Jesus, to testify to him. Come Holy Spirit, Father would you come now, enter every trembling heart with fresh fire, fresh weightiness of your presence, almighty God. We feel you're upon us this morning. You are pressing in on us and we welcome that, Lord, for we need you so desperately and our world needs you so desperately. So come, Father, in the name of Jesus, pour out your Holy Spirit. Pour out your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord.